When it comes to discussing our bodies, we often get a little uncomfortable. Women's health issues are often seen as off-limits, taboo topics we just don't talk about. It's time for that to change. Let's talk. Welcome to the Brave Mama podcast, where we are going to do exactly that. Discuss everything from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. No topic is off-limits. Join Stephanie Thompson, the brave mama and author of The Day My Vagina Broke, as she asks other brave women about their personal health challenges and triumphs. You will learn, laugh and cry as Stephanie finds out everything you wanted to know but were too afraid or embarrassed to ask. So, grab a cuppa and enjoy. Hello, brave mamas. Are you ready to get the lowdown about everything women's health? I'm your host, Steph Thompson, and I can't wait to share our special guest with you today. Seeing as our next guest is coming to us all the way from London town, it was only fitting to grab a cup of Madame Flavor's classic English breakfast. It's always been a personal favourite of mine, and the fact that this is real tea leaves in a silk bag means that this experience is just beautiful. Well, today uh, we have Florence joining us all the way from the UK, where it actually looks sunny behind you. Is that right? Oh, no, it has been raining nonstop. It is the wettest August ever. And it's it's almost scary reading the news because it's like Greece is on fire, Turkey's on fire, America's on fire. And then us in the UK, it's just like rain, rain, rain. (laughs) I wish I could send some over there. Oh, absolutely. I bet. It's just quite funny because in the picture behind you, that light coming through looks really sunny and bright. That's really nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's, let's kick off. When did you decide that it was time to open a space that was dedicated to just everything vagina? <laughs> well, uh, it all started in 2017 when I discovered that there's a penis museum in Iceland, but there's no vagina equivalent, or there was no vagina equivalent anywhere in the world at the time. So I just kind of decided to make one. It started off really flippantly, just being like, oh, well, you know, equality, ah. But um, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh no, that, that this actually could be a really good idea. You know, it's such a stigmatized part of the body. Um, and that has lots of real world consequences, you know, like people not going to the doctor because they're too embarrassed and that sort of thing. Um, and a museum, is usually a place where kind of communities and societies come together and say like, this is a topic that we think is important, um, that we want to record the history, that we want to make this history accessible to people. Um, And so by having a vagina museum, it was like us coming together and saying, look, this is a part of the body that we should really be learning about and celebrating. Yes, yeah, and I love that, that you said, you know, it has, it does have that taboo, connotation even now that I've got a daughter and a son my son is really happy to share his penis with the world like whenever he can (laughs) he's only a toddler but he'll just go to the toilet on the grass and whereas my daughter she won't even go near a window in her underwear and it's just Mm. like they're a year they're less than a year apart and I just think wow already in their little brains they know she knows she has to cover her vulva up whereas he can 
you know, feel really confident. And I guess some kids are different, but it's, yeah, I love how you said it. And it's absolutely been such a taboo thing for so long. And hopefully this is a start of the change. So how does one start that process? I know you said it started quite flippantly, but then what happened next, you know? Uh, Well, I'd never built a museum before. Um, So (laughs) I, I started off by talking to various people in various different industries like yes the museum's world but also science and the arts and events and um healthcare uh to kind of figure out what it was that people wanted and needed out of what would be a vagina museum Um, and then once I kind of understood what I wanted to do and what I was trying to achieve um I looked at other museums and how they started Um, And most of them were started by bored, rich white men in the 1800s, (laughs) which I'm not. Um, uh, So I found some other museums that were of a similar vein to mine. So like there's um, the Migration Migration Museum Project, um, which started up around uh, like a few years beforehand. And I kind of looked at their business model. How did they grow? yes what did they do and emulated it off other museums like that and now we have like a little community um of of emerging museums in the uk progressive that is so great um what can people find in the museum like what type of things do they see and do there well people are actually quite surprised when they come visit to see how small it is because I think they expect us to be like the British Museum we've got like hundreds of rooms um (laughs) because you know we have a very professional website we've got a very large following online and stuff but we're quite small we have one gallery um so we only can have one exhibition at a time and our first exhibition was called Muff Busters which was all about vagina myths you know like oh if I, if I use a tampon, I'll lose my virginity. Or if I have loads of sex, my vagina will be really loose, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then our second exhibition, which uh, just opened, is called Periods, A Brief History. Uh, so you learn about, like, what did people think about periods in the past? What products did they use? That sort of thing. Wow. So they're actually getting, like, it's like a proper museum where you get an educational experience. It's not just for gawkers to go in and say, hey, I can look at a vagina and not be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people come in thinking that. They mm. see the sign and they're like, oh, no, I'm going to yeah. come see vagina. <laughs> uh, and then they come in and they see that, you know, like it's got a very different vibe to that. Serious. It's like It's like clearly like a very feminist educational vibe. People come in and they immediately see that. And then you see how their outlook changes so much where they're like, quietly reading the panels and they're looking at the objects and they're like oh yeah no it's came in for a laugh but I learned something this makes sense to me now yeah it's funny how it um how when you experience things how it can change your perception on things even things like period underpants I was never I was like oh gross I'm a tampon hider in my pocket and I felt really ashamed until I had a prolapse and I can't wear tampons anymore and period underwear Mm. was the only thing that works over a process of time me just washing it in the sink and me having to touch my blood and at first going yuck now I'm like, hey, I'm proud of that. I, I created babies with that. Like, that's pretty <laughs> awesome, you know? It's it amazing awesome. how it does, it, in the destigmatize happens over time, you know? And I'm pretty sure that happens mm. with a lot of your visitors, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think people often ask me, you know, how do we destigmatize the vagina? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that it's a long road and it's something that only happens by lots and lots of people making just little steps, you know, like, for example, washing your own period underwear or like talking to your kid and saying, hey, do you know this is called a vulva? And or just like chatting to your friends. Um, and it's lo- and we fight taboo by lots of those little societal actions all happening together. Yeah, we call it the small wins because uh, Mm. I think when I initially started this plight, it was like, I'm going to change the world overnight with a book. And then you publish it like, "Eh, what happened? Nothing happened. (laughs) And then you realise it's just the the seed of the start of the journey, Mm. but you really have to keep at it. It's going to be consistent. It's going to be forever until we are Mm. in a better place. So tell us, how did you feel at the grand opening now that you know you created this amazing space I can see the smile on your face already (laughs) pretty good yeah it was I have to admit it was really surreal actually I thought what would happen is I would like open it and then I would be really happy but you know it's such a like long process of like you have to negotiate the lease and then you have to design the exhibitions and you've got to hire staff that there was no like one moment where I was like yes I did it (laughs) and um I remember once I was just sitting on the front desk um because uh that's what happens when you do a grassroots organization and your front of house volunteers call in sick you just do what you need to do um and yeah I was I was sitting there and I was watching people and I think there was like a group of teenage girls who were just chatting about vaginas and I was just looking at them and I was like oh I did it that that's that's the thing that I did it wasn't necessarily the building it wasn't necessarily the exhibition it was like how it affected people yeah um that was really nice that's beautiful it just gave me goosebumps because I just I just pictured that you know like young teenage girls like almost whispering in the corner and then they felt okay to talk about it that's amazing so we let's um chat about the importance I mean we can all giggle about this, of course, but there is such an importance for this space for women. Who would you kind of say would be the target audience for a place like this? <laughs> um, so it's a really difficult question because I do come from a public engagement background. So I know that your target audience isn't everyone. It never should be everyone. But that's the thing about <laughs> vaginas. is like half the world has them. The other half of the world have something to do with them they know someone with Some one they came out of one they want to yeah. have sex with one like yeah so it does affect everyone I would say our core audience is uh mostly women um between the ages of 18 and uh 35 so quite mm-hmm. young with really really high dis- uh, like disproportionately high lgbt visitorship something like it was like 40 something percent of people who visit um identify as lgbt um and it's it's a lot of people who it's people who like want to learn about this stuff but want to do it in a reliable place because they know that like you know you can't trust everything on the internet but we do have a few sort of sub groups which I think is really interesting yeah we've got a lot of like second wave feminists who are like in their 60s and 70s who are (laughs) like oh I wish I had this when I was young why didn't I make this for the women's liberation movement (laughs) um uh we have um quite a few single dads which I think is super cute because they come in and they're like you know oh I need to teach my daughter about um uh 
periods and what's going to happen to her body and all these sorts of things and I don't know how to have that conversation because no one yeah. had it with me yeah that's um, right. so they're like you want to know about wet dreams boom I've got you but um I can't, <laughs> I can't I don't know how to tell you about periods so they're like let's go to the vagina museum we'll learn all the things that you need to learn and then if you have any questions I can't answer that like there'll be someone to ask that's um, so good yeah, that's, that's the one that makes me really happy. But then we also get lots of teenagers from the local area who come because they've like finished school and they don't want to go home and they're <laughs> eating Chinese food in Camden Market. And then they come in and they're like, oh, let's learn about some vaginas. But then they actually do learn and it's really nice. Yeah, that curiosity gets them in and then they leave knowing something. That's brilliant, I say. Um, what kind of has been the general reception from the public? since you've opened really positive really really positive um we've had in our first exhibition we had like this feed a feedback card which we yep. can't do now because of covid but oh, yeah. um too many touching of pens and <laughs> papers um, so we we have the feedback online now um but in our first exhibition the feedback positive feedback rate was like 85 percent or something it was oh, wow. hugely positive yes. um you know lots of people saying things like you know I wish I had this when I was a kid or doctors and midwives being like how did I learn something here that I didn't learn in my medical yeah. school yeah. um uh lots of like you know little like we had one from an 11 year old where she was like I I wish I learned this at school I'm gonna share this to my teacher that was really sweet um yeah and it's been it's been like overwhelmingly positive I actually thought there would be more backlash uh mm-hmm. and there there's been a lot less than I thought there would be that's brilliant. That's so good. And that just shows, especially with that age demographic that you just mentioned, that they are more receptive to learning things without the shame and taboo. And I, we can only hope that for my daughter who's five, that it even gets better than that, right? Um, so did you uh, possibly experience any barriers to more mainstream media? And I think in Australia, we consider the British to be quite proper and um so I'm interested <laughs> to find out if there was anything you know in regards to promoting and awareness did you have any kind of barriers with that um I mean yes yeah we've had lots of barriers um I think because we are the nation of carry-on films where we do love a bit of like cheeky sexy humor um that there maybe weren't the same barriers in like if we try to do this in the US for example where they are genuinely just prudish um but you know some of our major barriers were things like um um online censorship so in um on Instagram for example the hashtag vagina was like shadow banned for a really long time we often get shadow banned people will be like I tried to search for you You but you're not coming up Yes, and I'll be like, it's the, it's right there. Just like type in the URL, but they would put it in the search bar, and it, it wouldn't, you know, in the Instagram Gone. search bar, it wouldn't. It's happened. Out. Yeah, it's happened to me too when I've gone to look for you. Yeah, that's that shadow banning because Instagram doesn't want to make a ruckus by actually banning you. They're just like, oh gosh, can you just go away, please? <laughs> like we don't want to have to deal with the vaginas. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so that that's a big one um in terms of like actually it, it getting to what would be considered mainstream media like um newspapers and yes. tv shows that's actually been been fine because a right. lot of the newspapers just want content okay. <laughs> and they know that people will click it's like good clickbait but yeah. museum opens up it's know, so different yeah yeah totally um uh, and a bit happier maybe 
been like, oh, there was flooding in Cumbria again, which is important to know about, but sometimes you need something to balance it out. And the constant COVID news stories and stuff like that, that it's, yeah, people just need <sighs> something else to listen to, don't they? Yeah. It's good for yeah, you. Yeah, COVID fatigue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you, do you feel that since you've opened that you guys have really been able to make changes in that traditional women's health? And I say that in like parentheses because talking about periods and vaginas typically is secret women's business. And do you think that you've helped being able to shift that a little bit? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. We've had, I think it's like you said, you know, about like when you published a book and it, you realise it's actually just the seed of it. Um, we're part of a much wider movement okay. of getting people more comfortable with their bodies. But we've definitely seen people who are like, oh, I, you know, I was really worried that about like my periods were really, really, really painful. And I didn't know what endometriosis was. Um, you know, Like this actually happened. I was, um, you know, sitting in the gallery and uh, two people were chatting and somebody was like, oh, um, about, about painful periods, I mean. Um, and somebody was like, oh my God, did you hear about endometriosis? And then suddenly these two random strangers are like talking about endometriosis. No. And like, you see stuff like that. And you're like, oh, oh, and this never would have happened if they hadn't come. Yeah. Um, and seeing each yeah, other. Lots of people, yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of people like going to the doctor and saying, look, I heard about this thing do I have it or if they're lots of people have said their doctors are very dismissive and yes. they've had the confidence to to go find a new doctor or actually just yeah. add up to their doctor and say actually can you just run this test just yeah. do it great yeah all that those magic moments they are magical for sure mm. um so with this amazing space that you've got obviously you, you talked before about having volunteers on the front desk how does a space like this stay open and afloat especially during COVID right how do you do it <laughs> um well that is a million dollar question um it was it's definitely been really hard um lots of museums are often started by people with independent wealth um okay. because they are very expensive and so because none of us came from wealth uh we had to crowdfund to start up we yes. did a few events you know I did it around side jobs and stuff so that I can continue to pay my rent. Yep. Um, and then when we finally opened up, um, it was very important for us to have free entry because I feel like this is the type of knowledge that no one should be barred from because they have to spend money to enter. Yes. Uh, so we make most of our money through retail, actually. Okay. Yep. People love a vagina on a T-shirt, let <laughs> me tell you. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've literally been nominated for awards. For our for our shop, so yeah, that's right. I'm pretty proud of. We need to be um, making t-shirts, I think, instead, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We um, there people love it. It's great. Um, and then we also have like people donate. Um, there's a membership scheme. Right. Um, uh, we run events usually, uh, which were very popular before COVID. Um, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Any um, online events? Are you thinking maybe? in the future I, yeah we ran a few online events um at the beginning of lockdown yeah uh of a, the very very first one um and then uh we took a little break we did some more and we've got a few more now actually if you look on our website and okay. look at the event calendar, uh we do book clubs we've got workshops talks um it's loads of fun 
Oh, book clubs. You've just got me. I'm so interested. Author talks Mm -hmm. anytime. I would love to volunteer my time and possibly even some copies of the book or something because I think it's so important to have these conversations. Um, We did an online book club for um, a Melbourne mothers group once and some mums came on and they had had quite traumatic births and they had never really spoken about it. So they came on thinking they were just going to listen and by the end of it we were all in tears it was so great Mm -hmm. just to connect even if it was via zoom it still felt like we were in the room having that debrief I guess yeah oh wow a lot of women really powerful yeah a lot of women just don't talk about don't talk about birth and they don't talk about prolapse because it is it's like We've got vaginas that are just coming up to the surface and being able to say that word. And then we've got vulva. I'm like, people are like, hang on, are they different? Yeah. Okay. Right. Got yeah. that. <laughs> and then, then we've still got things like trauma and, um, you know, prolapse is still quite down low on the, I think, you know, mm. and sex and prolapse. Oh God, no one ever talks about that. Yeah. So a lot of my friends are pregnant at the moment at, or have just had babies I'm like at that age where everyone's yes. doing it yes. um, and I realized how much we don't tell people about pregnancy and childbirth and all the things associated with it because like before childbirth was very medicalized and stuck in hospitals you know and we were having babies at home everyone knew what childbirth was like everyone had seen it a hundred times before you know like we were very prepared but now like I have so many of my friends they're like did you know what Lockyer is I'm like (laughs) oh honey there's so much you need to know there is even the basic things right like episiotomy I'm like oh what Mm. apesi what what are you you doing what are you cutting I don't understand and it's too late then when you are there after laboring for Mm. you know 30 hours and you can't make decisions you can't even think what your name is let alone Mm. say yes or no to something like that. So I think uh, even though uh, I think I've had a couple of women say, oh, look, I probably couldn't, I don't want to scare women. We've got this thing. We've got this thing where we don't want to scare women. And my book, the cover's red and it's quite bold because it needs to get Mm. people's attention and say, I don't want to scare women. But once they read it, then they say, oh, it's actually different to what I expected because the questions are reflective at the end of each chapter. It makes you just think. And mm. go and research and be inquisitive of, about aspects of birth you may not have even considered. Like here in Australia, what type of insurance you've got? Medical mm. insurance, are you covered? Are you not? Just so that people are not blindsided. Um, you know, both my husband and I just thought, how, how does that happen in childbirth? How do you end up like that? And then there's so many women, like prolapse is now what? We're talking 50%, that's one in two women having pelvic organ prolapse and we're still not talking about it and not educated and mm. therefore not supported mm. so I just think how it's it's a it's a long road to a better place for that one I think <laughs> yes but we're we're going in the right direction I think yes absolutely and you know even just having our, our chat now is really cool so I'd love to find out just your thoughts and there's no one answer I guess but how can we make this better for our younger girls? I'm talking, you know, my five-year-old girl. So spaces like that are so important. What would be your big, big wish dream for the Vagina Museum? Ooh. Um, I mean, my dream for the Vagina Museum is that 
we can get a permanent building um okay uh, that's the always the like old that was the ultimate goal because um, where are you now yeah so we're currently in Camden Market mm-hmm. um our lease is coming up so we do need to move and we're currently looking for buildings okay. um but at some point you know and I, this isn't necessarily the next space but at some point I want to make a permanent building where we have multiple exhibitions permanent exhibitions where we explore everything from like science to culture to history art um with like lots of temporary exhibitions about you know maybe delving deeper into some of those things or talk about current issues um but that's like a that's a long project that's like 10-15 years in the making so we'll get there yes Um, lucky with you at the helm because you can you can feel the passion and obviously people can't see it but I can see it in your eyes it's beautiful and I think um from I think I read some messages on your Instagram page perhaps where people are saying go global you know if you're looking for a space reach out and branch out and I think long term wouldn't that be amazing if the vagina museum museum had like a London branch and a Sydney branch and a you know (laughs) everywhere that would be phenomenal for women and Iceland next door to the penis museum <laughs> oh definitely definitely I would I would very much like to build some some sister museums that sounds amazing so um once you find your new home which is obviously hopefully very soon do you think it for women because I know I've spoken to people saying oh I'm interviewing Florence from the vagina museum and I'm like what is that where is that how do I get there obviously we're not going anywhere anytime soon would you think you guys could do some virtual tours for people to pay and come and or you know be part of the you know have a look around uh, yeah, well, so we did uh, some virtual tours of our previous exhibition, uh, which you can get on our online shop. They're just three pounds. They're very cheap just to like awesome. cover the hosting. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to do some online tours of our next exhibition soon. But we're just uh, currently focusing on the building. Question. Finding, finding um, a home. Yeah. Yeah. And our first exhibition is actually online. You can see it online. If you go to exhibitions and then past exhibitions, there's a little link that you can click to view the exhibition online. And we'll hopefully get periods exhibition online as well very soon too. We can have a look. Oh, that's so great. That's amazing. Um, If our listeners right now, because I know a lot of Aussies have been to Camden markets when they do the obligatory, I lived in London thing. (laughs) If any of our listeners at home now can possibly, if they've got contacts in London or that, you know, they just wanted to find out more about the museum, how can they find you? What's the best place to go? Mm, So our website's vaginamuseum.co.uk. And then uh, on Twitter and Instagram, we're vagina underscore museum. That's our handle. If you want us on Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash museum because Facebook said that vagina was a naughty word and we weren't allowed in our URL. I know. Facebook. It's so. I'm laughing (laughs) and I'm giggling nervously because I just can't believe it. But yeah, you can have penis everywhere. But you know, that's a whole can of worms, isn't it? It's you. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's um. It's it's something we've been trying to fight, but it's just like they're just like a brick wall monolith. You can't. It's impossible to penetrate. Um, Wow. Pardon the pun. (laughs) 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 it's funny it's funny when um when I kind of first started this journey and people are talking about a feminist and 
in my mind, this is how uneducated I was living up in my little suburbia world here in Australia, is I thought a feminist was someone who was like kind of like chanting at a picket line with a hairy armpit. And I'm like, I am not that lady. But then when you realise what a feminist is and wanting to make things better for females, yes, that's me. I am happy to be called Mm -hmm. a feminist. I do not hate men, but I do want to make sure that we are fighting the good fight for our girls and ourselves, really, (laughs) at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. Yeah, there's definitely like so many different ways to be feminist. And like, yeah, the, you know, the protesting is definitely part of it, but there's like so many, so many ways of doing it. Mm. Uh, and, and it has to be done in many ways because, you know, uh, the patriarchy affects every single aspect of our world and every as- single aspect of our life. So, you know, we have to have this sort of multi-pronged approach to dismantling yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. So, um with after this exhibition is finished and you've found a new home for late do you have another exhibition coming this year or is that something that's 2022 uh yeah no so the current one will run hopefully until february um when we move into our new space but we haven't yet uh announced what our third exhibition will be we've got a couple of contenders Wonderful. If people wanted from around the world that are listening, because we've got lots of followers in the US um, as well, if they wanted to be part of that, do you kind of do like a bit of a submission thing um, so people can become involved? Is it a global thing? Uh, well, it really depends on on the exhibition and how it's being made. So I would just kind of like keep an eye out. Any public opportunities we always put on our website because we want to be as like equal and transparent as possible. Um, and you can always email us at info at vaginamuseum.co.uk if you want to get involved in some way. I think you're going to have a big influx. Just saying. And you can't <laughs> help it with the pardons. I, the pardons, I was like, oh, you're going to have a full box very, very soon because I know that there's <laughs> lots of women who want to participate and want to be part of this change. And I just thank you so much for all your hard work and amazing passion in what you do because it is making a difference to our girls and our women. And we're very lucky to have you. Oh, well, no, thank you for having me here as well. It's been really interesting talking to you. Yeah, great. All right. Well, we'll we'll stay tuned and we'll definitely give updates as things are happening, but we'll let you get on with your busy day in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It seems. Oh, no. I was going to say it stopped, but it's just got lighter. (laughs) (laughs) You take care. Thank you so much, Florence. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. to Florence and her bravery in starting something so progressive for the community and the entire female population really learning all those things you wish you knew about your own body in one place how liberating the vagina museum is a must-see place to visit when our world opens up again in the meantime you can certainly check out their exhibitions via their website and the links will be down below so Join us next time when we talk with someone who knows how to help others by sharing her very personal journey. Until then, bye for now. Babe, mom.